Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share Home Threads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to HomeThreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for Dinner and I Just Feed You, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. HomeThreads, love where you live. That's HomeThreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. You just need to align how you parent around the table with how you parent in other areas. What's successful when you parent around media, politeness? I mean, whatever it is, whatever your values are, however you parent in other areas, align how you parent around the table the same way. Hey, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan, and this is Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding our families because kids need to eat a lot. And so frequently, too. <laughs> Stacy, I'm like digging deep into our Facebook listeners group today and having so much fun reading everyone's comments. Have you been in the group recently? I have. I have. Although not as deeply as you because your kids have been in school for a while, so I think you're in a groove. We yes, have just and you just started. started. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like a rocky start. I feel like no matter how old your kids are, you always think like, all right, we're back to school. Here we go. Done. You're in it. We're good. And then it's like the emotional aftermath, <laughs> the right? transition. And, and you guys had a really big summer of like moving out of your house to renovate it, going on a really long vacation to Turkey summer camp for both boys for almost three weeks and then boom back to school so I bet there's lots of big emotions and little emotions and all the emotions in between (laughs) yes so what's going on in there I've been poking around but I'm gonna I'm gonna get like you know I've been getting my toes wet but I'm gonna be like up to my knees soon I can't wait but what's happening what's happening I don't I don't want to say too much because it's a private group and we want to keep it that way but there's lots of great discussion about back to school lunches and back to school dinners and anyone can join even though it's a private group we're trying to keep it to just listeners so you will need a password when you sign on it'll ask you a question about what is Stacey and Megan's favorite cocktail and the answer is definitely always whiskey whiskey So listeners should find our Facebook group, which is Didn't I Just Feed You listeners, and you can get to that from our Didn't I Just Feed You Facebook page. And there's also a school lunch Facebook group that we started for anyone who needs easy school lunch box ideas for real life. That's right. And that one you can just ask to join and we'll let you in. 
No password. Even if you're not a listener, you'll get to join that one. But the listeners group, you actually have to be a listener. You have to have heard us say that you're going to be asked this question about our favorite cocktail. And you have to know that the answer is whiskey. So there you go. It's very private and very fun. And we pop in there a lot. Megan has been in there like you just heard. I'm going to be in there more and more. And what we love about that is that we get to interact with you guys a lot. So we're sharing our favorite recipes. We are going to be, you know, if you have questions about techniques or cooking or just like anything, we are there to help. That's what this is all about. And I will say that other listeners jump in from time to time and give their best advice too, whether it's for handling a picky eater, which is something we're going to talk about today, or just giving ideas for dinners that satisfy your whole family or make everyone at the table happy. There's lots of great shared advice from real parents, which is one of our goals with Didn't I Just Feed You. Kumbaya. (laughs) Kumbaya. Well, that song's about to go out because we're about to talk about picky eaters. And wow, nothing will make that go <laughs> screech the record than a picky eater, man. But before we get into our topic of the day, we should talk about what we're digging this week, huh, Megan? Right? Every week, Stacey and I share one new kitchen item or food thing that we're loving. It can be a product, a trick, or a technique. It's anything that makes life easier or more delicious. So, Stacey... Tell me what you're digging this week. Okay. So I love this product and I'm specifically saved it for the picky eating conversation because, well, you'll see why. Okay. It's called, (laughs) I hope I'm saying the brand right. Boyajian, Boyajian, B-O-Y-A-J-I-A-N, garlic infused oil. We'll also have a Mm. link in the show notes for this episode which will be at didn't I just feed you.com. And then you'll just look up episodes. You'll find this episode there in the list. Um, Picky eating part one. Okay. So this garlic oil I discovered when my son Isaac earlier in the calendar year had to go on a special diet where he could not eat. Well, he couldn't eat like a thousand trillion things, including onions and garlic. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to cook anything with any flavor? It was a doctor-prescribed diet called the FODMAP diet, and we had to eat this way for, it actually was supposed to be five or six weeks, but he only had to, ended up doing it for three weeks. And someone else I know who was on the FODMAP diet recommended that I get this garlic-infused oil. So he couldn't ingest actual garlic, but garlic-infused oil was okay. I made a homemade version of garlic-infused oil, which was great, but it takes time to make, and it actually wasn't that strong. And this brand of garlic infused oil is all natural and had a really great pungent garlic oil, uh, garlic flavor that was fantastic. And I ended up (laughs) continuing to buy it because it actually added so much delicious garlic flavor that when I'm in a humongous rush for dinner, I actually cheat and use it instead of chopping garlic. I love that. It's like the ultimate lazy cook shortcut. Wait, tell us some ways you like to use it. Besides like starting dinner for flavoring, like where do you add it? Yeah, like any time. Like think about when, do you ever buy the already peeled garlic cloves? 
I do not, but my mom always kept the like minced garlic in the fridge when I was growing up. So same idea, right? Yeah, same idea. So I don't like the pre-minced garlic cloves because I feel like they have a funny flavor. Yes. Like every once in a while when I have a really monster week, I will buy the already peeled garlic cloves. I feel like they only last two or three days before they get a funny flavor too. Yes. I mean, it's even faster than that. Anything that I would start with chopped garlic, I can just use this garlic oil. So like if you're making a quick tomato sauce. Garlic oil. Garlic oil. If I'm making a quick fried rice with leftover rice. Garlic oil. Garlic oil. (laughs) Um, It's so delicious. I mean, it doesn't have quite the same flavor as using fresh minced garlic, obviously, but it comes really freaking close. And I saved it for this picky eating episode because I also feel like part of what we get into with this conversation about picky eaters is texture, is picking out something that you like, something that they see, you know, they want it to look uniform. So if you have one of those and garlic or onion is an issue for them, maybe try garlic oil. I don't know. Like maybe because often it actually isn't the flavor that's the issue for them. Right. It's it's the texture. Yeah. It's either the texture or maybe they see the minced garlic in there and they're like, what is that? You know, I can do a perfect mince and I'm sure that you can too, but we're professional cooks. You know, I've seen the way most home cooks chop their garlic. They're pretty big hunks. You know, you're moving fast. You know, a picky eater can be like, what is that? You just eliminate that altogether. So I love this stuff. And actually, if you poke around, they have a lot of different infused oils. They have lemon. They have a lot of different ones. So you can kind of poke around. Again, we'll have the link. You can get it on Amazon. I think it's a really great product. He's not on the FODMAP diet anymore. I still buy it. So I love the idea of drizzling it over like avocado toast even. Ooh, It's just yummy. like a soup or frying eggs in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Just like a super easy way to quickly add flavor to something too without chopping garlic, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really it like the so ultimate good. lazy cook shortcut. <laughs> I'm down. I'm a lazy cook. You like to make it easy. You wrote a whole book I do. on the subject. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I like that. A nice little plug for my book. Yeah. Thank you. We'll link to that in the show notes, as always, cool. at didn'tijustfeedyou.com, too. All right. So what are you digging this week, Megan? I am digging a cookbook. I'm so excited to tell you guys about this. This summer, I got to preview Chrissy Teigen's new book, Cravings Hungry for More, and I <laughs> loved it. And let me t- say something. I know that... Chrissy Teigen can be polarizing for some people. People seem to really love her and be obsessed with her and follow her on Instagram and Twitter where she's prolific. She shares everything she's cooking. She overshares personal stuff and it can be funny, but I have never really followed her. I don't dislike her at all. I just was like, oh, she's uh, honestly, I was like, she's too beautiful for me to follow. I don't (gasps) feel jealous of her all the time. That's like, my she's truth. so hilarious. She's so hilarious. And I didn't get into her first book, Cravings, at all. But because I got to preview this for my day job at thekitchen.com, I had to like read the book and try a handful of her recipes. And I fell in love with her and I fell in love with this book. There's an awesome recipe for a pad thai carbonara, which is sort of like blasphemous. You're taking two cultures and slamming them together. 
But the result is a pretty killer weeknight dinner that my whole family gobbled up. I mean, it's like spaghetti and broccoli and bacon, but with this crazy delicious pad thai inspired sauce and finished with eggs to make it super creamy. And the book doesn't come out. It comes out in September. I think the release date is September 18th. So in a couple days from now, it'll be available on Amazon and we'll link to it. But I think sometimes- I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either for everyone else to see it and read it and try some of the recipes. And I just think it's like a reminder that you can get inspiration for family meals from unexpected places too. Like I wouldn't think of Chrissy Teigen as having easy weeknight recipes in her cookbook, but she totally does. You just have to know what your family likes and what you're looking out for. I love her and I love cravings actually. I thought it was a really, really fun cookbook. I was surprised at how well all of the recipes worked. And there were a whole bunch that were just really simple and fun. And I love how unapologetic she is about food. And she's good at making, like, she does a great job of kind of poking fun at herself and the reality of, like, she's a celebrity. She used to be a model. Now she's a TV show host, but she loves to cook and her recipes are really good, but she still just has a great way of like making fun of herself and being funny and real. And we should totally bug her to come be a podcast guest. Um, Yes. (laughs) I want to know what she feeds Luna and Miles now. We should get all of the, didn't I just feed you listeners to like tweet at tweet her and Instagram her and ask her to come. Okay, guys, if you, (laughs) if you listeners do that, I mean, I don't know, like I, uh, I can't even speak straight because like so many things almost just came out of my mouth. Like I almost was like, I'll like cook for you. Facebook (laughs) live naked cook and tell bad jokes and (laughs) like so many but i won't i won't do those things actually i mean maybe maybe okay if chrissy teigen comes on though we should do a giveaway if we got our um listeners to get chrissy teigen to come on the podcast we could do a major giveaway i'm sure if she also came on it should be like a full-on q a like it should be like i feel like we should figure out how to get people to call in and like and turn it over to the people like turn it over to everybody, so we all get to we all get to talk to all her. All our Tegan time, yeah, <laughs> Tegan time, because she's actually such an outspoken. I mean, okay, all joking aside, she's such an advocate for inclusion and families and moms and women in a way that I really feel like we need right now, and that's what I really love most about her. So, so let's I guess do it. I'm letting, I'm letting my political flag fly a little bit right now, but I, I just feel like she's for inclusion. She's for saying like all families belong and they belong together. And, you know, I mean, for me, it's hard to find the fault in that. And um, she mashes up pad thai and carbonara. In I a mean, really delicious way that your kids want to eat. I mean, hello. Let's so I'm, it. I'm down with your pick today. <laughs> awesome. I, like I love it. I love it. Well, today's episode is going to be a deep dive with Stacey and I into picky eating. But before we go any deeper, we're going to take a quick break to learn more about our latest sponsor. When back to school hits, the conversation immediately turns to school lunch and dinners. But busy parents know that mornings can be just as hectic, if not more. 
We tend not to talk about breakfast, though, because so many kids skip their first meal of the day or reach for grab-and-go convenience meals. The catch? Most of them are packed with ingredients that undermine their focus and performance. That's why we love our newest sponsor, Mom's Best Cereal. Mom's Best makes great-tasting, kid-favorite cereals with nothing but honest-to-goodness ingredients. Fun cereals like their naturally-flavored, gluten-free, crispy cocoa rice, whole-grain honey grams, and classic sweetened wheat foals are free of artificial flavors, preservatives, and high-fructose corn syrup. Plus, their products are budget-friendly and easy to find at major grocery stores and natural food stores nationwide so that every parent can choose a quality cereal that tastes great and is affordable. To learn more about Mom's Best, go to momsbestcereals.com. All right. All right. So, Stacy, picky, picky eaters. eaters. I, <laughs> <laughs> I have a ton of questions for you because I want to say this. I am not a picky eating expert. I try really hard to just roll with the different seasons that my kiddos are in. I try not to say that they are picky eaters or that they are difficult eaters. I try really hard, in fact, to not respond to when they say that they don't like something because I don't want them to be labeled as anything. But I've also been really lucky that in general, my kids like to eat. They're not fussy eaters. They have you know, months or weeks or even years in some cases, like my oldest with onions, she had a whole year where she didn't want them in her food and she didn't like them and they turned her off if they were included in anything. But I in generally, I just generally try to ride those out. But Stacy, you have a background in childhood development. And so you truly are an expert in the developmental aspects of picky eating. So what do you feel like is the most important thing for parents to understand about picky eating while their children are really young so they can set the tone for the rest of their childhood, but also as they get older and they start to develop preferences and tendencies, what should parents look out for so that they can have happy, exuberant eaters and not have to worry about picky eating? Uh, I just, I love these episodes where we have these just like really small, lighthearted questions. To <laughs> it's just, it's like cash. How do you make your child the greatest eater? Give us an introduction like, in 10 I'm just, minutes. I'm just going to kick back. And, okay. I want to take two steps back because I want to okay. say that I do have a background in child development. That doesn't make me a picky eating expert, but I do want to also say that I don't really think there are are many experts in picky eating. Picky eating is not something that really that many people study, even though there are a whole lot of people out there who will tell you that they are experts in picky eating. Okay. But that said, there are some exceptions. There's one book that I just want to put out there before we get started, and I will, will add this to the show notes. For the most part, I do think that picky eating is just part of natural child development. The exception is when you have a child with sensory and more serious child development or behavioral issues, in which case, you know, there can be issues with their palate. There can be issues with the way their palate develops. They can have sensory issues where they really, you know, as a child, it really feels, food really does feel different in their mouth. 
and that can impact how they learn to chew and it can really impede their physical development, how their tongue moves food from the front of the mouth to the back of the mouth. So there is a book written by a series of people. One is a pediatric speech pathologist. Um, Another is a pediatric gastroenterologist, a pediatric dietitian. You know, these are experts who came together to kind of give a 360 look at um, the different issues that can come together to cause really extreme picky eating and look at what parents can do to help their child when they get to a really extreme picky eating situation in early childhood, late toddlerhood, early childhood. And the book is called Food Chaining, The Kid-Tested Solution for Stress-Free Mealtimes. It lays out a six-step plan to stop picky eating. And actually, I find the book really useful for kids who don't have sensory issues but just have really extreme picky eating that really is just the result of a, you know, mealtime battle (laughs) that has been left to go crazy bananas out of control. Just because I have found that when that's the case, those parents oftentimes just need something really like a really strict framework, a plan, like just steps that they just need to follow and go through. And a book like Food Chaining can give that to them, even when their kids don't necessarily need something like that, physiologically speaking. So I find that this is a really good book. But you see that these experts, you know, a speech pathologist is not necessarily an expert in picky eating, but these are the different biological inputs that might impact picky eating or might cause a picky eating problem. Other people who have studied or who might study picky eating are um, nutritionists, pediatric nutritionists. Another book that I love, love, love is called Fearless Feeding. It's written by Jill Castle and Marianne Jacobson. And actually, you and I spoke to Jill Castle. Yes. We interviewed her, right? She was fabulous. And she is going to be in an upcoming episode, I think either later this month or early next month. And we talked to her specifically about like sugar and just like dealing with sugar, the the sugar overload. But she had really great practical advice, like that wasn't scary and was kind of freeing. So I can't wait for everyone to listen to that. And Fearless yeah, Feeding is awesome. a wonderful resource if you really have wonderful questions. Resource. Yes. And she talks a lot about picky eating in that book as well. And she touches it a little bit in our interview too. Yes. Okay. So that's just like taking a step back and thinking about what it means to be an expert in picky eating, just because I want people to kind of be cautious and careful, not just because I think that they need to be wary of who they get advice from, but also because I think we need to be careful about pathologizing how our kids eat. I think it's really, really easy. This term has become so huge. Right. And I I think in most cases, picky eating is really like not much of anything. I think a huge portion of kids who are picky eaters are just kind of 
normal leaders going through a very normal developmental stage. And then there's a portion of those kids who are on the more extreme end of that. And it can be extremely frustrating. But those kids, and I'm sorry, I mean no offense here, but those kids where there's a real problem in the home around eating, that's kind of a parenting issue, not an eating issue. And we'll talk about that in a second. And then there's this tiny percentage of kids who really do have like a, a, an eating issue, right? Where again, I refer back to this food shaming book. Right. But it's also what, what my biggest takeaway from what you're saying is being a picky eater, quote unquote, is not a real thing. It's a label that we've slapped on different kids. We've slapped it on kids who are having a normal developmental stage. We are slapping on kids who have a food parenting issue. And then there is this tiny subset of people who we're labeling as picky eaters, but they truly have another developmental issue that selective eating or trouble with eating or trouble with textures or flavors is actually a symptom of a greater disorder or diagnosis that they have, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's right, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say that it's not a real thing, but it's not a pathology. Right. Okay. That's fair. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's real and it's a huge pain in the ass, but you know, um, <laughs> it's, Truth. you know, there was, there was a story that was once told to me by a pediatrician that, you know, we evolved, if you believe in evolution, as I do, yes. a little preface, let's, we all come from somewhere. So I believe in evolution. So we evolve from, you know, cavemen times and cave baby is with cave mama or cave parent, probably cave mama. And I am cave mama. I'm watching what baby is eating or I'm picking berries and giving it to cave baby. And at some point around, you know, two and a half, three years old, cave baby is starting to exert some independence, wander a little bit away from me, go off on his or her own. That means that cave baby might have access to berries, fruits, vegetables, whatever, forage on his or her own for the very first time. So cave baby's palate becomes more sensitive to bitter as a way to protect him or her from poisonous foods. Right. Because bitter is usually an indication of bad. Correct. Poisonous. So this is a normal developmental feature that is part of survival. <laughs> Our palates like sweet because sweet is usually a sign of a safe food. Cooking is a natural process that does what? It brings out sweetness. Yes. You know, so this is all very natural <laughs> that we like sweet you know, and we can, and we do a little bit with Jill talk about the oversweetening of our foods, but this is all very natural that at two or three years old, our kids start to, our kids who have liked everything we've given them up to this point, you know, we give them mashed sweet potato and we give them mashed peas, all of a sudden start to turn their nose up at the broccoli and the peas and the spinach purees that are whatever 
you know, that we start to give them. This is normal. So it's a matter of what we do in response. And the kids who are still picky at eight years old usually tend to be the kids whose parents stopped continuing to give them those foods, you know, who catered to their palate, who let them eat the sweeter foods, who kind of gave up, who let them have like, you know, whatever, the sweet foods, the hot dog foods, the processed foods. Not always, you know, and I'm not trying to parent blame here. You know, that's actually completely against our philosophy. (laughs) Did I just feed you? But at the same time, I do think we need to be real with parents. And, you know, this is this topic is always you can hear that I'm usually like I usually just talk, 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 talk. And I'm being really careful with my words and I'm talking a little bit slower (laughs) in this episode today because this is always a tricky topic where I feel so invested in being a champion for parents. And it's my number one mission and value to make sure that all of my work comes from a place of non-judgment. At the same time, I do not believe it does a service to parents to not be honest about this topic. Right. And we, in large part, in most cases, not all, I'm definitely painting with a bold pen here. If we have a picky eater at eight years old, we've probably created the problem. Which can be kind of a freeing thing to hear because it means that it's still correctable. If you have the power to set your kids up to be great eaters, then you also have the power later on to redirect them and start to expose them to more before they leave the nest too, which I think is an important thing for you to hear is like, yes, we're being cautious about how we talk about picky eating because it is a huge source of frustration for parents. And when you're in those moments where your two-year-old is refusing to eat any fruits or vegetables and only wants to eat noodles, you don't want to hear that it's your responsibility as a parent to continue to feed them things. You just want to hear that it's frustrating, but also that it will pass and it doesn't last forever. So, But I love that you remind us that our mission is to help parents and to make mealtimes more fun and maybe easier, even if they have a picky eater at the table. So what is some of your best advice for parents who are like in the trenches right now? Like they have, whether it's a two-year-old or an eight-year-old, they have someone in their family who's a picky, who's being a picky eater. Yeah. Okay. So before I get to that, because I do have like a couple of takeaways that I want to mm-hmm. share. Before I get to that, I do want to share that I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning thinking about today's recording. Did you? And I was like, I did, because I was thinking about this, because this is one of the most interesting topics to me, but I do I do struggle with like, how do I talk about this? Right. It's, it's something that I care about so much, and I really always want to help parents but I, it's the one where I always fear I'm going to come off sounding like such a hard. So, <laughs> um, and I was like, you know what? I don't know if I should bring it up in this episode or maybe, you know, in season two, because we have season one already planned out. I'm going to tell Megan that we totally need to have an episode called 
does it even matter? Like, that's such a good episode title. Does it even matter? Like, and I'm going to say, like, Mike, my husband, was the pickiest eater. And now he's such an adventurous eater. Does it even matter? Like, who even cares if they're picky eaters? <laughs> like, it doesn't even matter. Right? Like, none of this we even matters, cu- guys. We are, as matter. a culture, so obsessed <laughs> with this idea that our kids need to eat fruits and vegetables and whole grains. <laughs> and, like, your ki- kids eat boxed mac and cheese and frozen chicken nuggets and they survive. And maybe they even grow up to be chefs or restaurateurs <laughs> yes. or whatever. So, in some ways, it doesn't. And the best I, advice totally. I ever got from a pediatrician was when my six year old was about a year old and we were in the first phase of some selective eating. And the pediatrician was like, please don't look at one day as yes. a measurement of your how you're feeding your children. If you want to measure, look at a week. Did you have one day that was full of treats and sugar and then, but the rest of the week you had pretty balanced meals? Like you're doing a great job then. And so to measure in months or years or seasons, like we talk about a lot, I think is much easier than to measure one day or one meal of your kids eating. Well, I love it. It doesn't really matter. I had seven quick takeaways and that was number one, literally. So there. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. So measure measure the week or tell us, say it exactly. I was just going to say like, don't stress too much about the nutrition. Like don't go day by day. Like if your kid has a serious problem, your pediatrician will pick up on it. Yes. And will help you. Yes. Okay. Like if your child's diet is impacting her health, or if you're worried about that, then, then talk to your pediatrician and, and your pediatrician will tell you. And if the answer is yes, your child's diet is definitely impacting her health. Then you shouldn't be looking to like bloggers and us, like then you need to be working with your healthcare provider. Yes. Yes. Okay. So there you go. That's number one. And then if your pediatrician is like, uh, your kid is fine and thriving, then like be done, be done stressing about like the hardcore nutrition, please take that stress and put it away because that stress eliminates our favorite thing that we want you guys to celebrate, which is food joy. Okay. We've said it before and Megan and I will keep saying this episode after episode, season after season. This is not about getting your kids to eat kale. It's about getting them to have a good relationship with food. It's about food joy. Yes. So what's number two on your list? Now I want to hear all seven. All seven. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Number one, don't freak out about nutrition. Okay. Don't freak out about nutrition. So number two is ignore the haters. Ooh. Ignore the haters. You know. You mean like my mother-in-law? Oh. Oh. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My mother-in-law is the greatest, but there's oh, no, that, right? Like, oh, but do do say what you mean. Well, I just mean sometimes when our parents, our, our parents, grand, the grandparents of our children are around, they have different ideas about how children should be fed and they can be kind of judgmental haters, if you will. I, I hear you. So <laughs> I was actually thinking, I like that. So yes to that. I was actually thinking of the picky eater being the hater. Oh, snap. Say more about that. So I really think that we put too much thought 
in as parents into making meals for our kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Preach. Okay. So I think that we should be cooking dinner for ourselves. Yes. I firmly believe this. I think so much of what, of course, there are people who hate cooking. And I, I feel you. I, I really like up we until- have, We do that too. Like I have weeks where I don't want to cook. Right. Of course. Of course. And, you know, up until recently, I didn't like exercise. Like I get it. It often just feels like a chore. But I really believe that the that the huge number of people who complain about having to cook all the time, like as frequently as they do, has to do with the fact that like we're constantly thinking about having to cook for our kids, having to cook for our kids. Yeah. It's like if you were cooking food that you liked for yourself, would you really hate it as much? Or like could you at least yeah, enjoy it like a couple times a week? To it. Yeah, yeah. Right? I love that. So stop cooking for your picky eater. And if they don't eat, uh, okay. I, yeah. I mean, I know that's okay. So I'm Greek. That's easy for me to say. Like, I was regularly sent to bed. Like, you don't like what's on the plate. Okay. Right? Good night. <laughs> like, really? Uh, yeah, really. Like, this is what's for dinner. Like, it was a financial thing. Right. It was uh, like no one's this got is time it. For this kids is what was budgeted thing. for. This is what was cooked. Yep. There's not time for anything else or money. For yeah. Like else. kids were the lowest rung. Yes. You know what I mean? They were not the highest rung. They were not the most important people. They were the least important people. So, you know, and believe me, that that's not what it's like in my house. Like my kids live like princes like it's absurd and i like the (laughs) irony is not lost on me that i'm saying this but at the dinner table for real i cook what i want i'm like ooh, that looks like a good recipe ooh, that's what i feel like eating like the number of times i have put spicy food in front of poor oliver who like cannot deal with spicy food and i'm and isaac is like is that spicy and i'm like no and like Isaac <laughs> takes a bite and is like, oh, oh, no. oh so spicy. Oh. I'm like, oh, sorry, I guess it is. Uh, just because like I felt like I wanted spicy food. It's yeah. like the one place I am completely selfish. Like, whatever. This is what I want to eat tonight, dude. I'm sorry. If you don't like, you don't like it. Now, if that is too hard a line for you, <laughs> I understand. But maybe do that once a week or maybe just put yogurt and fruit on the table or maybe take a Jenny Rosenstratch at Dinner, a love story. Um, Caroline Campion and her writing partner, they write books called, oh, it's slipping my mind right now, but they write great family cookbooks. Um, Are you thinking of not Dinner, the playbook, but Keeper's Cook? Yes. Thank yes. you. Yeah. We can put both of those links up. But they like all take a like deconstructed dinner approach. Right, which is right? one great strategy if you want to cook something. As long as there's one component on the table that each person will eat, you have nailed it. You have done your job. Exactly. Yes. Right? So like, uh, yeah, this, when you put it all together, it's going to be spicy. But here's the plain chicken breast. Yes. You can eat it. So- Ignore the picky eater. Make sure there's one thing they can eat on the table and just enjoy your dinner. Yes. Okay. Number three. Number three. Please stop saying he won't eat that. Ooh. All the time. I need no follow up on that. (laughs) Just don't say it. Just don't say it. 
Because let me tell you something. I have worked with parents one-on-one doing like consulting around picky eating issues. And I will tell you, I swear my hand to the heavens, 90% of the time, you don't even have to dig that deep. Most of the time, the food that they're talking about is a food that the parent doesn't like. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Mic drop, except the sound quality would get ruined because I'm recording a (laughs) podcast. Also, sometimes the things that we, that kids have previously not eaten and we think, oh, they won't eat that because last time they didn't eat it. Yeah. They just need another opportunity to try it in a different setting, in, uh, with a different sauce on it, whatever it is. So yeah, I love that. Yep. Stop saying he won't eat that. Or she. Or she. Yeah. I'm actually trying to switch my pronouns on purpose. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, you do. I was going to, I was saying, this is just a little side note. I was saying cave baby, but then I said she, now I'm trying to say he. And then in my next one, I was going to go back to she. I'm trying to be like feminist or fair. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. You might include it. I do just she the whole time. I have a problem with using they, although I should probably use they to include the transgender community. Now they makes more sense. It's way more inclusive. It so, is but, more inclusive, but they has a there's a grammar part of me. That yes, it's it's a struggle with the grammar, but we can do it. We can do it. I'm going right. to do they. Anyway, Give me number four. Number four, experiment. You already just touched on it. You are like, oh, we are like super in sync today because you just said like they didn't eat it before. Maybe they'll eat it again. That's right. Keep serving it. Experiment. This is straight out of that book, Food Chaining, that I was talking about mm-hmm. at the beginning of the episode. You know, it doesn't, experimenting doesn't have to be like, and now we're going to try like Thai larb, which is like a minced meat salad that has like really really salty, spicy flavors. But it is salty and spicy. Yes. It's delicious, by the way. I just tested a recipe for my new cookbook coming up and it's so good. Anyway, you know, you could just build on what kids already know. So if your kid already loves pasta, maybe then move to soba noodles you know like it has the same approximate texture it's got the same shape you know like take baby steps like just build on what they know you know maybe try the soba noodles in a classic chicken soup at first then make it kind of an asian style chicken soup that has you know soy sauce instead of yeah maybe some different veggies like some snap yeah, peas and some like, watercress or something exactly yeah. and bok choy and like kind of inch them if you have a really severe picky eater but just don't stop experimenting just be prepared that they might not eat it you know yeah. and then revert back to ignore the haters if they don't eat it fine if it's delicious you'll eat it and you've had a good nourishing dinner okay number five Keep in mind that even picky eaters have rights. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Picky eaters are allowed to not like, by the way, mom (laughs) and dad or mom and mom or dad. Actually, all eaters. This includes your husband or your partner at the table. They cannot like something too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like sometimes it's not because they're picky. Sometimes they just don't like that and they never will. And that is okay. And it's okay. Another thing is selective eaters, picky eaters, whatever you want to call them, can be healthy eaters too. Oliver for a long time was a pickier eater, or at least much pickier than the rest of 
the family. But you know what he liked? Raw vegetables. Yeah. Like, he ate steamed broccoli, raw tomatoes. If you took him to a restaurant, he just would order like rice and veggies. Um, okay. That's nutritious and delicious. There you go. Yeah. And then I would say the next thing is, are we on six? I think we're on six. Yes. Number six. Be clear about your expectations. So this is a really huge one that we're not going to dig super deep into. But if you really want to tackle this picky eating thing, it's just like parenting. There's something about being at the table because food is so emotional Parents tend to lose their way when it comes to dealing with parenting around food, right? Yes. It's like they like their compass starts to go crazy. Well, there's a financial investment, there's a time That's investment. Yep. Yeah. And then there's the cultural thing we've created around food. And I mean, we they, we could go really deep into that, but where right. you know, we share food as a community, we go out to eat with friends and family. And so we want, there, there's so much at stake sometimes it feels like when we're at the table. So that's why I'm loath to be specific about how it is you should parent around the table. And it really frustrates me when I hear other either experts or bloggers or whatever giving really specific examples of what you should do. So my advice is that you need to take stock of how you parent around other issues in your family. And you just need to align how you parent around the table with how you parent in other areas. What's successful when you parent around media, politeness, I mean, whatever it is, whatever your values are, however you parent in other areas align how you parent around the table the same way and then be clear with your kids so and consistent you know, too be right consistent make your expectations clear and then do it and then just do it so like for us it's don't make a fuss at the table because like mike comes home at 6 30 and we eat dinner right away and this is his first re-entry into the family space And he's had usually a pretty intense day. And it's really important to me and him that we make his re-entry as calm as possible. Like that's that's really important to us. And if you're going to make a really big deal, like that becomes very stressful and creates a lot of static. So you can just go, like you can leave if you're going to do that. Yeah. You know, so, and so on and so forth, whatever it is. So like we made these rules known to the kids and we stick with them and like, that's it. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be the same in your home, but whatever it is, be clear. Yes. And I'm going to give it a different example just because I want listeners to hear that Stacey's rules aren't the hard and fast rules. Our rules are different. Like we have three rules that are like rules for how the Splon family operates anywhere. And so that we can remind our kids about those When we go to the park or when we go to a party, we remind them of these three rules and the dinner table is the same. We have two or three rules, which include don't yuck on my yum and that there is a no thank you bite on your plate. You don't have to eat it, but it's there and you don't need to react to it and you don't need, there's no pressure to eat it. Having three rules for our family life and then only having a couple rules for the dinner table are easy enough that we can reiterate them before mealtime or if we're getting into 
a tense situation around something that's on the table, we can just be like, listen, don't yuck on my M. I really love kale salad. And it becomes a non-issue because those rules are clear and they are consistent at every meal. I love that. Yes. Yep. So wrap it up and give us number seven. We're going long, but this is a good one. And this (laughs) is is. the most important one. Have fun. Yes. Start to have fun. I mean, this goes back to the food joy. Like get your rules clear, communicate it to your kids. And then from there, let go. And this goes back to the like, does it even matter? I was being tongue in cheek there because- You know, obviously we do feel it matters. We started a freaking podcast about it, but, (laughs) but what matters most is that you have some fun with food really honestly and like, see that you're in the long game, you know, and that if you have fun with food, then your kids will really come around. Yes. It's really the fun, fun at the table, relaxed at the table, food, joy at the table and making it not about the food is so important for developing a healthy relationship with food for your kids and also resetting your own relationship with food, whatever it may be before you became a parent. I love that. I feel like those seven steps might be our try this at home this week. Yeah. Or even Unless, maybe- Unless, do you have one you want to send us off with, Stacey? Yeah. So, okay. you know, try this at home is just before we wrap up every week, we just share a super quick practical takeaway that we want you to try at home. If all seven is super daunting- then maybe just the have fun because in a way that's the most important one. So maybe just do one really silly thing this week. Cook hot dogs over your backyard fire pit, make fondue, serve cake for dinner, do a no vegetables night. Just do some fun, silly, totally unexpected thing that disarms your kids and makes dinner time just really silly and fun for everybody this week. Yes. We've ta- I think we talked about this in one of our school lunch episodes, but sometimes I still like cut things into fun shapes for my kids. And that's like a really low commitment. You probably have cookie cutters that you can use to make sandwiches or quesadillas into a heart or a star shape. Like again, it's low commitment, but the kids really respond to that and it makes mealtime easier and more fun. Love it. And that's this week's show. Be sure to tune in next week when we continue the conversation about picky eating in part two of our three-part series. Um, Next week, we have guest Melissa D. Arabian of the Food Network. Her show is called $10 Dinners. And she also did a pretty amazing project recently that was called the Picky Eaters Project. I can't wait to hear more about it. I can't wait to hear if it worked. (laughs) In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you don't miss a single episode. And spread the word. We'd love for you to share us with your friends and also give us a rating or review on your podcast app, which really helps other parents find us. And it really helps make a difference in our listeners. And of course, always feel free to reach out to us. We'd love hearing from you. Visit us at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or you can just email us directly at hello at didn'tijustfeedyou.com. You can also find us at Facebook or Instagram at guess what we are. Our handle is Didn't I Just Feed You. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jamendo. This is Megan. And this is Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. We can't leave without thanking our editor, Jeremy Enns, and the team at Counterweight Creative.